Okay, Agonar of Shabbos Rabbosai, as we prepare for Parshas Yisroi Habalena Latover, we're going to continue in our shir on Tefillah, the shir on Tefillah sponsored by Rabbi Tzal Rose and family, Lezechonishmas Tzvi, Ben Levi Yitzchak, and this month's learning, the learning of Chaydeshvat, is dedicated in memory of Mayor Ben David, um, by Mr. and Mrs. David Israeli of Great Neck. Ah, so today we're going to be uh, learning about the third Halalukah, Halalukah Kitoiv Zamra, and we're going to be learning some of the thoughts of Rev. Avigdor Miller, Zechasag Levracha. I do have to say that Rev. Schwab's approach to tefillah has, you know, I don't want to go over the top, changed my life, yes. It has changed my life. It has changed the way I daven. My davening is infinitely more meaningful based on Rav Schwab's approach because now I have a structure. I know what I'm doing and um, according to Rav Schwab again, Sukhazim has five parts. Nigadelcha are the braiding of tefillah, which are hoidu, yihichavoid, followed by nishabechacha, ashrei, where we praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even for things that don't seem good. In this world, Unifa'ercha is the crowning glory of world history, the Achros Hayamim, and therefore the five Halalukas correspond to five eras of Achros Hayamim, the first one corresponding to the era before the coming of the Mashiach, and it's telling us to trust only in God and don't be hopeful to false messianic fervor. But rather yearn for Yimleich Hashem Le'Elam Le'Kayach the second Hallelujah is a reference to the uh, coming of Mashiach, and it's the song of the Ruach. Ashrei is the song of the Guf. The first Hallelujah is the song of Halali Nafshi, and the second uh, Hallelujah is the song of the Ruach. Ruach is a reference to the coming of Mashiach, and in this Hallelujah we talk about all the blessings that will occur in the coming of Mashiach, there will be rain, and God will teach us a new Torah, and according to Rabbi Schwab, the snowfall is the mashal to how God will influence us with Torah. It won't be beyond our faculties, it will be one crumb at a time. Now let's see the thoughts of Harava Victor Miller, Zecher Tzadik Levracha. Hallelujah, ki toiv It is good to sing to God. Now, Rav Miller learns Hallelujah means to be excited about praising Hashem. Why should we be excited? Because it is good to sing to God. Now, what does it mean it's good? It doesn't mean that's good, but lollipops are good, and salami sandwiches are good, and pizza is good, and it's also good to sing to Hashem. No, 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 no. Kitoiv Zamra Lekedo means it is good. And this is the only thing that is good. Not that it's one of many good things. It's the only good. Eloikeinu, to sing to our God. Our God means he's specifically associated with Klal Yisrael. This is a principle, Rav Miller says, that is enunciated 165 times in the Chumash. Now listen carefully. Kitoiv zamra Eloikeinu. Kinoim. What does na'im mean? Na'im me'od. Na'im. 
Mazemaim, sweet. Why is it good to sing to Hashem? The answer number one is, it's sweet. Nave, nave, nave means it's appropriate. These these are two reasons why it's good to sing to Hashem. Number one, kinaim, it is sweet. What exactly is sweet about singing Tashem? Says of Miller, there's sweetness in this world, there's sweetness in the world to come. Praising Hashem sweetens one's physical life. Person wakes up in the morning, says, you know what? Huh, it's a lousy day. Nothing, nothing good. I don't expect anything good to happen today. He gets up, he brushes his teeth, he gets dressed, he walks out to shul, and he's grumpy, and he comes home, and he eats breakfast, and he's thinking, you know, nothing good is happening today. Nothing good is happening today? There are billions of good things happen, but he doesn't take the time to appreciate any of them. And if you don't appreciate something, it's as if you don't have it. I'll give you a mashal. If I told you, hey pal, you know, for the last 50 years, there's a treasure chest under the floor bed in your bedroom. Say, really? And you run upstairs, you open up, and sure enough, there's treasure there worth a billion dollars. What good did it do for you for the last 50 years? It did you no good. You know why? Because you didn't know about it. So it's the same thing in life. If a person has benefits and they don't think about it and they don't appreciate it, then they don't get any benefit from it. So if a person doesn't stop and say, Baruch Hashem, Eloikeinu then why would a person be happy they could see if they don't think about it? And if a person doesn't say, Baruch Hashem, Malbish Arumim, then why would a person get any joy from wearing clothing if they don't stop and appreciate it? And if a person didn't, not just say, If a person, before davening, they take a cup of water and they say, Baruch, and they drink the water. Wow, what a great day it is! I had a cup of water today. And what if a person never stopped and inhaled and said, So they could be inhaling the whole day? and never get any joy from it. So therefore, it is very sweet to sing to Hashem. Because by swinging, singing to Hashem, it sweetens your life. Because it forces you to appreciate what Hashem gave you. Praise to Hashem sweetens physical life. Because by expressing gratitude for whatever he receives, a man gains a keen appreciation and a deep enjoyment of thousands of true material pleasures which other men possess, but ignore and therefore do not enjoy. It is impossible to drink deeply from the cup of happiness unless one invests effort to study what he has and to express deep gratitude ceaselessly to the giver. You think God wants us to make a hundred blessings a day for Him? It does nothing for him. 
God says, I want to give you a hundred forms of happiness a day. Therefore, by you thanking me for all of these benefits, it's making your life a better life. So it sweetens one's physical life. And secondly, it also sweetens the afterlife. Because you gain a heightened awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And anyone who sings to Hashem in this world is rewarded that he'll sing to Hashem in the world to come. The endless joy of the afterlife is reserved for those who utilize this earthly life to acquire true knowledge. So the, the first reason why it is good to sing to Hashem is number one, because it's sweet. It sweetens your physical life and it sweetens your afterlife. And number two, it's good to sing to Hashem is because it's fitting. Not only is it sweet, but it's true. Meaning, God deserves it. God deserves that we devote our entire life just to thank Him and to praise Him. So not only is thanking Hashem going to bring us happiness and success in this world and the next world, but it's truth. It's truth. It's fitting. You can never overdo it. The as much as you're going to thank and praise Hashem, you haven't even begun to scratch the surface. Whatever we say is an understatement. He's fearsome in praise. Now, let's focus on the following line. The builder of Jerusalem is God. This is a very important principle. You know why we praise only Hashem? Because whatever happens in the world, He's the only one who did it. David looked out from the window of his palace and he saw Jerusalem full of buildings, big and small, and could have caught, thought, look, I conquered the city from the Yavusi and I built it up. It used to be a Gentile city and I brought the Jews back here and I made it a metropolis. But David said, Who built Yerushalayim? Boinei Yerushalayim Hashem. He gave us the city. He gave us the idea to build it up. He gave us the artisans and the materials. He gave skill to the workmen. He's the builder. Now, Nidche Yisrael Yechanes. He gathers the dispersed of Israel. David sees all the happy throngs of Jews in Jerusalem where Jews were free of, of fearing their enemies because of all the fortifications and because of those walls that David built, the city was teeming. So David could have thought, look, I built up Yushalayim. I brought the Jewish people back. No. David said, Nidche Yisrael Yechanes. And he gives the happiness, he gives the, the security to all of Klal Yisrael who lives there. Now, this is very, uh, this is amazing. Moine mispar la koychavim l'chulam shei 
You know, some people, they have large families, so they have, you know, five kids, seven kids, ten kids. And then they could have, um, you know, a hundred grand, uh, grandchildren. Kanainahara, I have a great uncle. He has, uh, you know, over a hundred great-grandchildren. Someone who has over a hundred great-grandchildren. I know, uh, you know, I, I've read about uh, women sometimes, you know, in Williamsburg, and they have, um, they get married very young, and they before they pass away, they have over a thousand descendants. Do you think this lady in her 90s knows the name of all a thousand of her great-great-grandchildren? Highly doubtful. I, you know, I don't know if uh, too many great-grandparents could name all their great-grandchildren. So, there's so many stars. Let's talk about the stars. The enormous number of stars and their random, seemingly random disposition are part of a grand and calculated plan. Their number and their positions are ordained purposely by the Creator. The existence of each of the trillions of heavenly bodies and its precise position, position in space are foreordained and are essential. They show Hashem's power Number one, the almost infinite number of stars, far beyond anyone's ability to calculate. So the number of stars are infinite. And the distance, the vast distance between the stars, traveling at the speed of light, one's lifetime would not provide a person enough time to get from one star to the next. So you think about it. Think about a creator who created an infinite number of stars, and the space between one star and the other would not even provide someone traveling at the speed of light, a lifetime would not provide the, the amount of time it would take. When you think of that, you, th- you have a little Yuras Haroimimus of the sheer power of the, of the Creator. Their infinite number of stars Let's say somebody were able to fly from star to star. Now that would take forever. And he would just write down one, two, three, four. If when he got to star 7,000 and he could name the name of every star, it would be a marvel. And yet the Creator created trillions of stars and He knows each one of their names. And He could, in one moment, and He knows each one's characteristic and He doesn't lose sight of anyone. Name doesn't just mean the name, Pluto, Neptune. It means specification, size, chemical composition, color. No detail is lost to the Creator. Then we say, Noisein Sheleg Katsamer. This is one of my favorite ideas. Why do we say God gives snow? He gives snow? What is, he, is He giving us something? Is He giving us a gift? Yes! Snow is a gift! Like the Gemara says in Tainus, snow is better for the mountains than five rains. Especially snow is good for the mountains. It clings to the sides. Now, what's the metaphor? He gives snow like wool. Like wool means, number one, snow is white like wool. 
because snow is white like wool, it re- it repels the sun rays like white. And therefore, Rav Miller writes in one of his other books that it's very important that snow is white. If it would be blue, it would melt very quickly. And it would be too much water for the earth to absorb, absorb, and it would cause flooding, and it would just run off and never be absorbed. So God made it white. White repels the sun, and it melts very, very, very slowly. So it covers the earth, and it provides water for the earth for months and months and months. Every farmer knows that if his farms, if his fields are not covered in a blanket of snow, then they will dehydrate in the winter. Furthermore, furthermore, says Rav Miller, it's also fluffy like snow, like wool, and it doesn't conduct heat, and it's such a, it's a perfect insulation, because without the snow, the topsoil would freeze, and if the topsoil freezes, all the denizens and all the microorganisms would die, and they would not be able to till the soil, and the soil would die. So God puts a blanket of snow on the ground, and that blanket doesn't melt, and it insulates the ground so that all the worms and all the microorganisms could stay alive and continue to care for the soil, and it protects the roots, otherwise all the roots will die, and the snow blankets the earth like wool, it's like a sweater, God gives a sweater, a sweatshirt, a blanket, a coat to the earth. Even the beasts spend the winter under the warm mantle of snow. Thus David voices a great praise to the Creator, who gives such a precious gift, which serves as a blanket for the earth all winter. And in the spring, when the new plants need moisture, the blanket melts away gradually and gives drink to the soil. He scatters frost like ashes. I would like to offer just one basic interpretation that God scatters the frost like ashes. Similar to what we said uh, in the past, if you ever were on the highway after a snowstorm, if the car in front of you makes a short stop and all the snow on his roof goes into the car behind him, it's very dangerous. There could be like a foot of snow on top of the car in front of you. And it's not even falling from so high up. Imagine if instead of little pieces of snow, snowballs came down from heaven. They would basically be like meteor, meteors. They would make holes in the roof. They would make holes in the car. They, they would, chas v'shom, it could injure or kill people. Even if they would be the size of a, a pebble, big hail, you know, when I was in Texas, all the pickup trucks have little dents in them from the hail. It hails a lot in Texas. But what does God do? He makes these little fuzzy, fluffy, light crumbs come down from heaven like ashes. So it not only doesn't it hurt, it actually feels good when the snow hits you on the skin. So maybe that's what it means. Kefar ka'efer yefazer. He scatters frost like ashes. But Miller says frost covers the soil, protects it from the cold, but not like the puffed up air-filled snow. Like ashes scattered over a bed of coals to prevent them from burning out, the frost caked over the soil protects it from the extreme cold, 
The effect of snow is not perfect, for it is soft and could melt, but the surface of the snow which is covered by a layer of frost protects both the snow and the soil. Now, we know that this chapter of Tehillim um, ends off, Magid Dvarav Liyakov Chukov Mishpatav Yisrael, that God teaches the Torah to call Yisrael. What's that got to do with the snow? So last week we learned from Rav Schwab that when Mashiach comes, God will reveal to us the raw Torah on high, which is such an awesome body of wisdom that we cannot uh, that we cannot assimilate it, we cannot understand it unless God feeds it to us in little small pieces like the snow. But Rav Miller says something really beautiful. This chapter of Tehillim ends off Magid Varav Liyakov Chukav Mishvatav Yisrael that. God gave the Jewish people the great gift of the Torah. The Torah and prophecy are the greatest of gifts. But there's an important reason why they're mentioned at the end of all the benefits given by Hashem. Why do we first have to talk about the rain and talk about the snow and talk about all the other gifts God gives us and only then thank Hashem for the Torah? And the answer is, says Rav Miller, it is impossible for one to be sufficiently grateful for the gift of Torah unless he is first fully aware of the gifts that the Creator gives us in common with all men. One cannot be grateful for the benefit of being a Jew unless he is first grateful for the benefit of being a living human being. Just like we know, Derecheret Kadma Latayra, so too the awareness of the regular physical benefits have to precede the awareness of spiritual benefits. Before you can be grateful to God for the Torah, you first have to be grateful for sleep, for food, for drink, for air, for the senses and all the gifts of life. Because because it's easier to appreciate the physical benefits, it requires less, less effort and less intelligence, and it's more basic. Therefore, even the intellectual benefits of the physical phenomenon, they precede appreciation for the Torah, because these are benefits that apply to all of mankind. Therefore, after enumerating the praises of Hashem and specifying at length His kindnesses, we thank Hashem for the rain, and for the snow, and for eyesight, and for clothing... We say, and you know what, Hashem, thank you for the greatest benefit of all, Magid Devarov Liyakov, the benefit of the Torah that he gave to Kal Yisrael. But, before that, we talk about the praise of prophecy, which is also a demonstration that the Shechina rests with Kal Yisrael. Magid Devarov, even though Devarov includes the words of the Torah and the stories of the Torah, but Devarov also refers to the prophecy. And prophecy is also another great gift that only Klal Yisrael were worthy of, that Hashem communicated directly with our ancestors, Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And we say, Magid, He tells, not He told, Magid, constantly, even today, Hashem speaks to Israel through the words of Torah, and they are just as important to us and just as obligatory as if we heard them today from his mouth. So this is the great chapter. Next time you say, Hallelujah, Kitoiv Zamra Eloikenu. It is good 
to sing to Hashem. Number one, kinoim, it makes life sweeter. Number two, kinava, it is true. God is deserving of it. And Hashem should give us siyata deshmaya to take advantage of the opportunities of all these beautiful chapters of Tehillim. And we should always be zoicha to sing to Hashem, kol yumei Okay, everyone, have a wonderful Shabbos. All the best. Shabbat Shalom. Call to everyone. Be well. Surah is Taivais. Call to. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Call to. Tell Rabbi Levian, I quoted him.